Well, isn't this a great day? Can you feel? I mean, we've been waiting for this. The natives were restless. We've been hearing from the folks out there. What's happened to Inside LAFC, the Max and Vince podcast MVP? Well, here we are. I'm Max. Vince, I know you missed me. You want to uh, explain to the, the public how much you missed me? This is this is the only reason I do this. I do this for you. Uh, if if people right. don't if, if people don't know this about Max Bredos, if he does not get his like hour of talking about LFC, he will explode. Um, and I do this as a public service for for him, for his family, uh, and for everyone that is in about a six foot radius of him, just in case. Because we never you don't know when it's going to happen, but he will explode. Um, so we're very happy to be back. I'm happy to be back. I. Look, you you've been back, Max. I didn't know. I did not know if I was going to be back. So I so this is very a pleasant surprise for me to be back. And I think I think we should throw it out there to our fans. Who has the best story of why we we waited till the uh, what is it going to be about the fifth game? Yeah, make one up, make Sorry. one up, or if you do know what the reason behind it, then you can share that with us. But we I did want to mention to all the folks that did reach out. It was very touching for us to hear that and how. Uh, some people's weekly routine was affected because they were used to hearing that. And I will, you know, we're not going to gloat here, but uh, we talked to LAFC ownership, like Bennett Rosenthal. He listens to the podcast. Giorgio Chiellini told me personally he listens to the podcast to help him speak and learn English. So uh, it's out there. People listen and everyone uh, who feels that they can use it. We want it to be a, a tool so that you can get more acquainted to the club, more acquainted to the sport, more important uh, to the league and Major League Soccer as a whole. And uh, I'm very proud of that. So uh, now we can tell you we can continue to do that. But I want to thank all those folks that reached out on social media or to us personally. Thank you for that support. Yeah, it was great. It really was. It's touching. Max and I always knew that there was all we, we see the numbers, right? So we see the listeners. We knew you were out there. It was incredible to run into people in stadium and in person throughout the years. Uh, but then this, the moment we were stepped away for a little bit was when it really got a lot louder. And I think that was for Max and I both, it, it was, a, it was a little emotional. Um, but how scary is it that Giorgio is learning English from us? <laughs> he came up to me, he says, I like, uh, being in glorious Alhambra, Cali uh, East Los Angeles. Yes. Yes. He didn't say that. I made that up and I'm sorry about the horrible, horrible, uh, Accent, but we're gonna we're gonna mix things up a little bit here. We're gonna have the same qualities that made Inside LAFC MVP such a popular podcast here for certainly LAFC supporters, but everyone is welcome. We are gonna we're gonna pivot a little bit to the world's game. We're gonna have a lot of great guests. We're gonna stay in touch with the players. This week we're just doing it us two because we have a lot to get off our chest, obviously, and we want to push mm -hmm. forward. Uh, everything that's happening with LAFC, we've been staying in touch, Vince. We were both there at Titan Stadium yesterday to see LAFC two kickoff. And this is a reminder, check the schedule, get down there. Uh, the Expo Originals were there as a small pocket. They had the cadence for the whole game, celebrating and singing what you would hear uh, at BMO Field. And now they are. They were there and a lot of folks came out. And how about Ilya Sanchez and Jesus Murillo mm -hmm. there, took photos. I mean, you don't know who's going to be there, but it was great to see the kids run around. And uh, they lost to North Texas 1-0. But uh, I think that's going to be uh, something that will grow. Afterwards, there was a little shindig. Enrique Duran and many others came by to say hello. Uh, a wonderful evening all around. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I do. And I had a pretzel. I had a really good pretzel. You did have a pretzel, yeah. And you tried. You tried your best to to pass around the wealth of that pretzel, and no one, no takers. I didn't want a piece. I don't want to. I did not want to eat the whole pretzel. Zero takers, but you did end up eating the whole pretzel. I saw you take it down. Uh, I want to add something. Uh, Expos. I'm sure there were some people that are part of Expos. It was Empire Boys. Our part of our. Sorry, I apologize, but we love make sure we get that right. Empire Boys. Sorry about that. I got my head to the deepest apologies. I did see them there. They were at the. At the gathering afterwards, the mm-hmm. Empire Boys, excellent, excellent work. Because there wasn't a lot of voices, but they filled that area as best as they could. They did, man. It was, uh, I'm sure, I would love to talk, uh, when, when you and I will get a chance to talk to guys like Eric Duenas, uh, you know, Rosales, uh, the the Academy guys, Nathan Ordaz that are out there, and even some of the new guys, and just asking, well, hey, what was it like to play? There was drums, there was flags, there were songs. Uh, it felt it felt like a real game, um, as it should. And so that, that was a lot of fun, tough result. But you got to remember a lot of these guys, I, I, I keep wanting to say kids. Everyone's kids to us, I guess. But uh, a lot kids. of these, they are kids. A lot of these kids uh, haven't played haven't played much together. Uh, some guys from the academy, some guys have been playing with the first team. And then you got a, a group of, of new guys that have come through. Um, they're just getting familiar. Whereas that North Texas team, a lot of those guys probably played together for a couple of years. Um, and even then, uh, when uh, LAFC 2 went down to 10 men, uh, they kind of flipped the script and really took it to them. Uh, missed penalty. Could have, could have tied it up late, uh, but they'll get there. They'll get there. We have to wait for our first ever LAFC two goal. I was filming it and hoping to post it, but then it was saved. So I want. I still to... have that video. Maybe it'll be. It'll have some historical value. If you weren't there at the end of the half, they had a corner, probably like the last play of the game, and they sent up goalkeeper Abraham Romero. And I so badly wanted Abraham to be the first goal scorer in LAFC two history. It would have been incredible to have a goalkeeper do that. But he was impressive, by the way. He and especially with his feet, he'd come out. He would try to get deeper and deeper and almost be like a libero at times. So it was good to see that. A lot of good talent there. Yeah, made some good saves. Yeah, as you said, his feet was the most impressive. He's he's a good goalkeeper. Good one to have back there for those guys. So here we go. Inside LAFC, a rate review, download, subscribe, uh, get on board, tell a friend, use it to uh, get your game days started. We will we kick it off here. And it's just to give you an idea of what is going to come up for you on this show, we will recap LAFC's 2-1 victory over FC Dallas. Tell you what uh, stood out, and I will give you one of the big early stories from the Major League Soccer season that happened at BMO Stadium on Saturday night. We'll preview the Colorado Rapids away. That's the next fixture, and it's going to begin very busy in the month of April for LAFC, a game where they'll have two games a week coming up here soon. And then we'll we'll look at the world of football. What stood out for us? What's a story that's out there that's percolating that we want to feel like we want to get something off our chest? We'll have that as well. So are you ready to embark on LAFC, Inside LAFC MVP podcast, Mark 2? I am so ready to yell about Italy. That's just a teaser of what's coming up and my topic about what's coming up around the world. Good. They look a bit bit shaky. They look a bit shaky. They're not fun. And Giorgio, I think, would agree with me. Although on the defensive side, they're still very good. I mean, Giorgio's got more goals than any of these Italian attackers right now. He does. He, he does almost had a. Seven. He almost got a second goal over the weekend. He almost had. He had a good chance there. Uh, and we will recap all of that coming up next on Inside LAFC, the MVP podcast. We are back here on Inside LAFC, the Max and Vince podcast, recapping LAFC's two-one victory over FC Dallas. It is a result that means LAFC are undefeated in their league play, 3-0-1. Remember, they played one game less as they are chasing St. Louis and Seattle in the West as it stands. But LAFC have been very good. It's been one of the clubs that uh, you've got to tune in for because you get on a a great show and 
they certainly did that. It wasn't the best all-round performance by LAFC, but I think you you look at this, Vince, and you say, hey, on a day where Dallas has to be kicking themselves, and remember there was a red card in this, and they had to play with 10 for uh, quite some time for the uh, uh, Tumasi red that happened on the 35th minute, which was also a video assist review, which the refereeing was a big part of this, a lot of yellow cards, a lot of reviews, uh, throughout the game. We can touch on that as well. But I think with LAFC, when you look at this and they get, they let a lead get away to fight back and have this incredible moment from Denny Buwanga, who made some real history by what he was able to do. This is a nice result. You can see this, the coaching staff, they were less than impressed. Steve Chirindolo was kind of sitting there. And there is a moment when the Buanga goal was scored. Uh, Mark Dos Santos gives a, a high five to a reluctant Steve Trundolo. Steve Trundolo pats Ante Razov uh, on the leg, and Ante kind of goes, whatever. Like, oh, they were so underwhelmed. But it's like, I think what it tells me that it, there is a commitment to excellence, there is a commitment to not just winning but playing at a high level. And I don't know if it matched the coaches. We'll find out later this week when we talk to them. But I think it certainly is a, a comforting feeling that they will not be satisfied with just winning. It's there's got They've got to perform. Absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, you score a goal two minutes and 14 seconds in, which is the fastest, fifth fastest goal in LFC history. Done so by Max. They, the way they were pressing in the first 15 minutes was... Uh, next level. I mean, we know that this team presses and and I like to uh, a lot of people point out because pressing is a big I think a big buzzword around the game. I, th- I think especially for you, Max, and what you do is with the commentators and co-commentators press is a word that you are using a lot. And a lot of times I think pressing is more so team just being higher up the pitch and not actively pressing. It's just they're kind of in spaces and they're filling gaps and they pressure teams and the team the the opposite team gives the ball back to them. In my mind, that's not pressing really i mean it is but it's not the active pressing what lafc was doing was those front three were disrupting the back four and then i've never seen uh a the midfield three move in such unison to really squeeze that space i mean it wasn't just timothy tillman and count acosta it was tillman acosta and Ilya, and to the point where max at certain times in that game especially in the first 15 minutes i think six lafc players were within 25 yards of the goal line like it was really pushed up there. And so that was an incredible start. But as you alluded to, despite uh, getting, you know, or getting a red card, they didn't get a red card, but pushing Dallas to a red card. uh, Disappointing. Um, Just kind of going through the motions, the level kind of dropped. Uh, You know, the sky might be falling because VAR was on LAFC side at every turn in that match. Yeah, they got the penalty award, which was the crossbar by Carlos Vela. The red card, of course. And Uh, the the officiating was was tilted. But I mean, Dallas, I think, would have a bigger issue with the VRR reviews. And I I, I would say that... Was it a red card? For it you? was a red card, but I mean, I was almost, I was almost hoping to see the referee say, "Look, I didn't see it. It doesn't look good on the uh, replay. I know you didn't do it intentionally. We're giving you the yellow card, uh, and we're just keeping an eye on you." I thought there was going to be something like that because, I mean, that arm was out, and I know they want to get rid of that kind of action, mm-hmm. and you've got to have examples set, but. Uh, it wasn't like, oh, God, they missed one. I mean, I was like, uh, I mean, there yeah. was, he's not trying to hit him. 
and it just got him. And unfortunately, I mean, it, it is, I guess it is. If I'm going to lose this argument, if I talk to pro refs and I go, look, that's what they want to get rid of. I go, mm-hmm. okay, I understand that. But to me, I was like, and it, it was, it was, it, it was a harsh, it was a, it was a stiff penalty to pay. Yeah. It was a bang, bang play. I thought the initial response was good because the referee ran immediately and gave the yellow card. And I, look, it doesn't change the yellow card. It's not a more of a, a harsh punishment, but, you like when a referee stamps his authority quickly, doesn't think about it, just runs in there and says, hey, man, you can't do that. Um, I agree with you. I did not necessarily think it was a red. What was interesting after the game was Nico Estevez, who came in, who actually very impressive to me, the, the head coach of FC Dallas, came in after the game. That's a good team, man. That's a good it team. A, They're going to do well. It is a good, good team, and I think Nico Estevez is a good coach for them. Great mentality. Um, honestly, he came in there. He spoke about his team, and I was like, ah, I'm kind of pumped. I'd play for this guy. Like He kind of pumped me up. But he had more complaints with the goal chalked off. I thought that was the most clear decision you could ever see because they had a great camera angle. Thanks, Thank you, Apple, with all the camera angles they've had now from right behind where the player was taking the shot. And you could see the guy immediately in John uh, McCarthy's eye line and then moving out of the way. McCarthy raised his hand right away. Georgia literally pointed at the guy and raised his hand, basically saying, hey, th- this is a red card or not red card. This is, uh, this is offside. This goal should not count. Um, it took a little bit longer than maybe it should have because it was pretty obvious. But yeah, Nico Estevez actually had more of a problem with the goal, which I guess in the end, you can argue a red card versus a yellow card, but you'd rather have a goal, uh, I guess. And they, they would rather have a goal at the end of the day too. But yeah, it, I, I wrote before this game because it is that weird international week where you know a lot of players are going away. And we'll get into this with Denny Buanga. But I wrote, be ready to be weird. Like, let's get weird. It's going to be weird. And it was weird. Like that game had a lot of events that were kind of dead ends to what actually happened. What really happened was LFC came out hot, uh, got the advantages of a of a nice uh, VAR review uh, twice, and then just kind of really let their foot off the gas. But luckily they had a guy like Danny Buonga, who I guess we could talk about him now. Uh, just, man, he just loves this team. Like he just, he, the fact I, that he- isn't that, what, play, isn't that the takeaway really of that? I think so. That he rushed back. Okay, well, let's get into that. By the way, the international duty- uh, both Ecuadorians were away, uh, Diego Palacios and Jose Cifuentes. And in that game, it was Cifuentes played. Unfortunately, Chiqui did not. And he's as good as he's playing. Unfortunately, he has the best left back in the history of Ecuadorian football. In but how many times and are we going to send our man Chiqui Palacios? I know, he's going to sit Ecuador on the bench. Just for him to sit on the bench. Like this is this is starting to eat me up a little bit, Max, because this is a game that does not necessarily matter in the long grand scheme of things. And as you say, Estepunyan is probably one of the best left backs in the world. Yeah. But come on. I think he's in a top, if you look at the best left, he's in the top 10. Max, they're in Australia. He flew to Australia. Australia. You, you gotta, if he does not play in the game that I believe that they'll have tomorrow, we've, I'm going to I'm gonna have words, but we said that before that. and he hasn't played. He doesn't get off there. So I think we're going to have words with that Ecuadorian Federation. I mean, we, we, we were there the one day when, uh, when Jordi, when Jordi Cruyff was there, uh, no longer, obviously, the coach. Um, but uh, is there a way we can get word through Yordi to them? How could, how do well, we do this? Remember, they have a new coach too, F- uh, Felix Sanchez, who is the Qatari coach. So it's a new coach. Um, the Argentine coach who was with Ecuador, the name escapes me, who came after Yordi, uh, uh, Gustavo Alfaro. And he's in the same situation with both all the coaches. So there it is. But hopefully, in a in a, in a friendly environment that they get the game in here. Uh, then you had Daniel Maldonado playing for Honduras. I did want to say that they posted something about Maldonado and it got huge traffic on the LAFC account telling us 
that the Central American community, much like we had it with Fito Celaya, will pay attention to their own. So the Catrachos out there are excited for Daniel Maldonado, who uh, hasn't played a lot for LAFC, but he's uh, everyone says something good about him and has been very impressive. So you had those three, and then you had Denny Buanga. And then we will talk, I mean, more other clubs were affected a little bit more than LAFC on the international duty, but certainly they were somewhere in the middle with regards to how they were affected. But I wanted to give you the text, the uh, tweet that LAFC sent. Uh, it says, legends don't get jet lag. That sounds like a Rosen quote, doesn't it? That's a Rosen right yeah. there. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he went from Franceville, Gabon, where they played, flew to Istanbul, three-hour layover. In Istanbul, they flew to Los Angeles. That's 13-hour total travel. Uh, arrived in at LAX at 527. Arrived at BMO Stadium at 645. Oh, that's, that's not bad. An hour and 15 minutes to get your bags and... I was about to say, to get from LAX to, to BMO that quick. Very nice. Very nicely done to whoever is drove that, there. That is, for us uh, Angelinos, that is actually the most impressive thing. Landing at 527, getting off the plane. Yeah. If you had baggage, I'm sure he did, and you're getting picked up, you're yeah, getting you, through you the terminal. Istanbul to LA. There's no traffic in the air, but you tell me once you land in LAX, you can get to BMO Stadium and, and that kind of time. That's incredible. Uh, by the way, this is a good time to travel, I will say, because uh, spring break's coming. So the LAX is kind of quiet, but it won't be quiet for much longer. Mm-hmm. Holidays were insane because I live very close by, and it almost takes me an hour and 15 minutes to go from LAX to Redondo Beach, just getting out of that horseshoe of LAX. So right. he arrives at 645, 730s at kickoff. He enters the game at 903, and 923 scores the game winner. He, uh, they were talking, maybe he played 10, 15 minutes, he played almost 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is, look, I've covered the sport a long, long time. And I just don't see this about somebody who is so geared towards their club. They would rush back. Everyone would have said, don't rush back. Clearly this, he said, I'm coming back and I want to play. And you're like, okay, good luck. Mm -hmm. There's no way you're going to get to LA. There's no way you're going to get to the stadium from LAX an hour and 15 minutes. But he did. Maybe he actually lifted the car and ran it over. Maybe because that is the superpower that Denny Bowen. I, I, I would not put it past him. But there's a couple moments I remember where players return from international duty, but nothing like this. Central Africa to Turkey to Los Angeles. This is, yeah. I mean, as a supporter, you have to be completely smitten. This is one of the biggest stories the league has had, period. Because this is this is a story that should be picked up globally. Uh, mm-hmm. Unbelievable commitment. And then the perfect storyline for him to score a goal, a game-winning goal. Uh, on a day where they where they needed it because they just relinquished it and they didn't want to get a point against a ten man Dallas team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when 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 Steve Trundolo brought him into the game, it was in a moment where LFC really needed to do something. Now they were up one nothing at that moment, and then a couple moments later, it, the score is tied. But they needed an injection of something because they were just kind of flat. Um, and whether that's just early season, the amount of games on their legs, or again, sometimes when you get that red card and, you, and the, the team goes a man down, you just kind of, you're like, yeah, this is fine. We can cruise to this. And LAFC in some ways just has that sheer amount of talent where like maybe they can um, do that sometimes. And, and I think it's 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 tough because you don't want to see teams do that, especially good teams. However, the flip side of it, only good teams can really pull something like that off because they do have that sheer willpower and that, Cause like Bowanga's goal, even like that's not that that angle from which he took it is not uh, an angle you normally score from. He even admitted it was in fact indeed supposed to be a cross, but he scares people. 
Like the guy just terrifies people enough that, you know, in that moment, you have to be perfect in what you're doing. And uh, the ball comes in, it dips right before Sebastian Ibiaga. He doesn't get anything on it. The goalkeeper is a little bit nervy. He's, it goes between his legs. Uh, it's just a confluence of a lot of things, but yes, the, the biggest takeaway is the love that Danny Bonga has for this team. Cause not only did he, he agreed one that he would leave after one game. Cause uh, Gabon has another game coming up, but he's he's only going to play one game. And then, as you said, just because he decided, so you're saying he loves LAFC more than he loves his country. It's what you're, that's what I'm hearing, Vince. His English is getting <laughs> his English is getting pretty good. So if he's listening to this, he'll know that I said that. No, I'm not saying that. However, however, I will say, but but when you decide you're just going to play one game, that's just part of it, right? Like a, a, any step of the way, going from Gabon to Istanbul, Istanbul to LA. LAX, the stadium, there could have been just a little fumbling of something or something that slowed him down. He could have arrived in the middle of the game. No chance he plays then, right? Like what a bummer. Was, that, that was, that was a, you probably 50 to 60% chance that that was going to happen. There was going right. to be a delay. And if he gets there 20, 30 minutes later, he's not going to play. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you can't. You you put the yeah. list in. You're not going to put a list in of a guy that you think is going to show up at halftime. Like we had the, I actually was up there with the guys at the press box. They had the starting 11 already. They had the the uh, subs. And then literally before it went live, Danny Buong was available, changed the changed the graphic. And it was like, it, it was a cool moment. It was one of those like, what? He could play? And then we were all, but even then we were also thinking, well, hopefully they take care of business. We don't have to see him. But the it, there were, it, it was palpable, the feeling of Danny Buong is here. Like that's how much he excites people in that building. He uh, hit the ball. It became the corner kick that, eventually led to the goal. So it wasn't just a goal. He was active. He had this Cruyff turn and went 60 yard run a few minutes oh. later. So it was relentless. And I will say this, it shouldn't have been a goal. It should have been stopped by Pass or Ibiaga at that near mm-hmm. post. It should have been stopped, but it wasn't. Maybe they wanted to be part of the story, but uh, that, that was a weird reaction. I mean, it was like, I don't, maybe they didn't think he was going to try that from that. And he hit it well. <laughs> and somehow it slipped through that crack between the defender and uh, the goalpost. Right. So fantastic stuff. Yeah, I think we covered the, the major events in that. So let's let's do something that uh, I had been doing for a while at LAFC and now doing on my Substack takeaways. And people do enjoy it. And I want to thank everyone that has subscribed to takeaways. Uh, we're not going to do three because that's just going to take too long. What we're going to do is one each. Max is going to do his biggest takeaway from that game. I will do mine and we'll talk through it. Um, because I think uh, all of you, when you're listening to this, you now know what happened in that game. So we're going to, we, the experts, and I, I say that lovingly, uh, we, the experts, are going to tell you, yeah, and loosely, uh, are going to tell you what, like kind of what you should take away. We're going to dig a little bit deeper because everyone else has broken down the game. They've probably broken down the tactics. Let's, let's, let's give them something a little bit more. Max, do you want to, do you want to kick it off? Do you have a takeaway? Sure. I do have a takeaway. And I just want to mention, you know, with no Denny Buanga, the starting 11 was McCarthy in the back. Sergi Palencia moves from right back to left back. Chiellini Murillo. Ryan Hollingshead back after uh, a situation with his lungs and amazingly back. And they needed him because with uh, Palacios gone, they really have those three fullbacks in a rotation. So they would have had to alter it, whether that's Kellen Acosta coming yeah. back or someone like Duenas coming in. It, it would Duenas not have hasn't been... played fullback in a long time. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that would have been the option, but uh, mm-hmm. they would have had to come up with something. So then you had the midfield, which you were talking about, um, that were so good, Kellen Acosta, uh, Timothy Tillman, and Ilya Sanchez. Stipe Buke filled in for Buanga, Vela, and Mahala. My takeaway 
uh, when you lose four and three very critical players on your team to international duty, you need to have the proper depth. And we didn't know if we had it, but what has what has occurred with LAFC this season, and we saw this last season, 2021 was rough. They didn't make the playoffs. John Thornton and company went out there and handpicked the players that they envisioned could turn things around. And they were spot on on all of them. Maxime Crepeau, Ryan Hollingshead, Kellen Acosta, Ilya Sanchez, uh, later later on with Chiellini and Buanga. But even that first group, that first offseason ahead of the season, the first market ahead of the season, they nailed it. Well, it looks to me in 2023 that they've nailed it again, uh, Vince, and it has filled the coffers so nicely uh, when they need it. And that is a really good development for a club that's going to have a lot of fixtures because they're going to need 17, 18 players that they can count on. So you look at the guys that have come in, the big ones, Stipe Buke, you have... um, where am I drawing? Oh, Timothy Tillman, who now has a couple goals. You have Aaron Long, who came off the bench, but when he's the one that hasn't quite blossomed, but it, you know, it's ha- when he has played, he's looked well. He's been, he started the Seattle game, which was a clean sheet. So we've seen that combination of all those center backs, which keeps that position fresh. And then the one I wasn't so sure about is Sergi Palencia, and he may have been the most pivotal one of the bunch. Is he this dynamic fullback? No. But does he do a great defensive job? Does he is he flexible? Yes. And does he blend into this LAFC team? A hundred percent. It feels like he's been around a while and he's had a very easy transition. Mm -hmm. Timothy Tillman's addition uh, is is just been one of the best in the league because he already looks like one of the better midfielders in this league. And he really is there as a luxury to fill in because your starting trio will normally be, although Jose C. Fuentes and Tillman may be sharing a few more minutes. If Tillman continues to produce, he scored the goal very early in the game and he was a constant threat. He was combining well with Vela. I remember the first time we saw him, he looked a step slow and he was, and when he came in, things got messy. That seems so much so long ago that he was able to fix it. And Stipe Buke, who hasn't had that, that incredible moment, but he does have those glimmers where you're like, wow, uh, he took on Dallas defenders. He is a guy you can rely on mm-hmm. uh, and at such a young age. So Daniel Maldonado, to a lesser degree, maybe we'll see him. But I think you're, you, you've you seen some early returns from him as well. But for LAFC, what they did in the offseason, once again, has been a slam dunk. It, probably not as good as last year. Last year was insane. But for filling the spots that they needed, we haven't even heard about, wait, we're going to bring in another number nine. We haven't had yeah. that because they're scoring goals and they're getting results. Do you think they're better? I've been trying to, I've been wrestling with this because I think we were beaten over the head so much with the depth thing, just because just by the essence of more competitions and then the amount of exoduses, the amount of players that left. Right. But to your point, which I agree wholeheartedly with, they did bring in players and a good amount of players that can play. Like, is this a possibly a more talented team? Because look, I I love uh, Latif Blessing and I loved um, Seba Mendez. Timothy Tillman looks like the real deal to, to the extent to where he's not just starting because Sifu's gone. I think he's starting ahead of Sifu. Like Sifu's been a little, he's had, had, had struggles, whether it's something's in his head with wondering why offers didn't come through, or maybe he just wasn't as fit to start the season. Something, just something. He doesn't look 100% right. Whereas Tillman is fitting like a glove. Palencia, uh, yeah, defensively 
Yeah, how many times you eating up minutes for them? Eating up minutes. And how many times you watch a game, Max, where a fullback he steps into the play, a little one-two around him, and then he's just out of the play. Not Sergio Palencia. I mean, he could be out of the play for a second, but he really comes back and gets back in there. And then we even look at this game, and I would argue with anybody that says, "Well, LFC was only missing three players." I think no team was missing three better players than LFC was in Bowanga, Cifuentes, Palacios. Whether, look, Philly missing a lot of players, a lot of those under 20 guys. And I get it, they're pivotal guys for their system. But they weren't as good as those guys. Yet, Steve still makes a sub and he brings in Aaron Long, Danny Bowanga. Like, and the optics of that on the sideline, to see that in your team, like, oh boy. Yeah. I don't have so, to deal with that. Max, what do, you, what, like, what do you think? Do you feel like, I mean, it's still much too early to say. And, I, and Steve has been kind of, beating the drum a little bit lately. We probably need one, maybe two more players, which makes me think one or two more players are coming. But I think they might have done a better job this second go around. Well, let's 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 look at the players. And we don't want to, because everyone part of that 2022 championship was very special. But they Sebastian yeah. Ibiaga is now with FC Dallas. We saw him over the weekend. Uh, Aaron Long, uh, that's a big upgrade. Uh, and Ibiaga probably saying Aaron Long is one of the best defenders in this league. Mm-hmm. And he had offers from what we're hearing in Europe, and MLS, and right. he came, the LAFC handpicked this to come here. So this was LAFC benefiting it. So then you talk about the midfield, Mendez and Tillman. Uh, Mendez is, is really good. And I, after the World Cup he had, I think that's closer to a push, but I still would lean towards Tillman because there's a ceiling there that's pretty high. Mm-hmm. And I w- let's call it a push, but maybe LAFC leaning. And then losing, you have you lost a couple options. Obviously, Chicharango, Gareth Bale, and um Christian Teo and we brought in Buke. That's where that's where the talent probably s- still s- sides on 2022 and mm-hmm. you're waiting for the replacement for Chichorango but uh, they don't they're not missing the production. They're not mm-hmm. they've had some big scoring days so uh it's a good question. I still think I would lean into 2022. There was just something there especially when I I mean I just li- mentioned like eight guys. But uh, this 2023 is in the mix which is I think a lot of people didn't expect. Yeah, the volume of guys, it's clearly the replacements haven't been there in volume. But even you would even say, and obviously, Chicho, you just can't replace a guy that just scores goals in a variety of different ways. Um, LAFC is going to do that more by committee. And so far, it's worked, as you've said. And and I think I, I'm one. See, I, I get uh, a little chapped when people are like, well, they don't have a true number nine. Yeah, but if you have three guys like LAFC has up front that move around, do you need a true number nine? Have we got have these uh, things become such truisms and so antiquated um, that that we're not even actually like gonna analyze it anymore? We're just gonna throw something out there and say it, and that's an- analysis. That that rubs me a little rough. Uh, but Buke, you know, can go ninety minutes, whereas uh, Gareth Bale, we we could only see him in glimpses because of of the struggles he had with fitness. Um, Teo, we didn't we didn't see a ton of. So look, you 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 kind of know what you're getting more from those guys, but I think. You could raise an, another level, uh, and I do want to apologize. They're, they're mo- finally mowing the yard back here after e- epic amounts of rain. So if you guys hear a lawnmower in the background. Ooh, uh, that, I bet you that yard's looking nice, nice and green. It's going to look nice and green after they, they finish it. But, yeah, it, I guess I guess the, the jury is still out completely. But uh, if they were to bring in you know another uh, one or two more guys, maybe a, a, a change of pace type nine, uh, maybe a bigger guy that can get on the end of some headers and another midfielder, then you're talking about 2022 all over again. Yeah, there is. Uh, look, this is uh, this this club's going to change. They're going to bring in new people. They might leave. Some guys might go the other direction. Uh, it's what we've grown accustomed to. But man, do they hit the bullseye mm-hmm. a lot more than they miss the board? Uh, mm-hmm. And they, I don't think they have missed the board 
Um, not any time in the last couple of years, for sure. So there's my takeaway. I see you nodding a lot. Uh, I like your takeaway. Good. So what is what shall be your takeaway? I bet you I love it, too. Uh, I hope so. I'm going to go back to uh, Denny Boanga and kind of look at a bigger picture on this. It's been incredible. And I know that MLS has been putting out a lot of the images of Tiago Almada uh, there in Argentina, all the love they've been getting in Argentina. I'll say for me, I'm not Argentinian, but I have a soft spot for that, that team. Uh, it brought, you know, I got a little misty eyed watching it. It's, it's nice to see the love that they're getting, the love that Leo Messi's getting. It's nice to see Tiago Almada score. And I think that party's got to stop. Argentina. I love it. But and, uh, yeah, yeah. Da. I mean, Fair. how long is this going to go? Let's get back to work. Fair. Let's pick up the kids from school. But we don't have to celebrate this for the rest of eternity. Yes. Okay. Well, where I'm, going, where I'm going with this is MLS Sorry. is going to be blasting out images of Tiago Almada next to Leo Messi. You're celebrating with Leandro uh, Paredes, his goal and all that. And they're going to blast it out and say, look, the league has changed. We've got a guy. We've got a World Cup winner. We've got a young kid that maybe one day will go for more money than uh, Miguel Almiron. This is a sign that the league has changed. I think you should be t- picking up this Danny Boanga story about why the league has changed. Because, yes, that is a sexy story, but it's a one-off. Because what have we talked about in this league and what have we been clowned on for this league? Not just by people domestically, but internationally. They say games don't matter in the regular season. But you have a guy that is willing to travel 7,000 miles <laughs> to show up for a regular season game. And not Great just mileage. any guy. It's Great not your mileage plan, by the way. Right. Yeah. Hopefully you got the, hopefully you got the yeah. uh, miles on there. Uh, good Delta miles. But it's not just any player. It's a potential MVP. So you're telling me. That I get it. I get it. You wanted the Tiago out is an easy story, but we need to tell this story that a guy that could win the MVP has taken a regular season game so seriously that he was willing to risk getting there in the middle of the game, not playing at all, flying, but flying 7,000 miles to show up to play in a game that's a regular season game, the fifth, fifth game, fourth game, fourth uh, for LFC this season. Fourth. Fourth. Yeah, should should be fifth, fourth game of the season. He's willing to do that. That should be what we should be applauding because we need more of that. Players that you can't, because it drives me wild when people say, well, the regular season doesn't matter and these players don't even care. Look, they don't even care. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Maybe some players don't. I'm sure there's some. But if you're going to say the MVP, the possible future MVP is willing to leave to come and, and make it for that game, that's the sign of a, a better league for us because that's the sign of players taking it seriously week in and week out. I've gotten that feeling. I know people with expanded playoffs, et cetera, on these games don't matter, but I get the feeling they, they do. And there's two teams in some hot water and a, a club like St. Louis, who's got five wins. I mean, they're one foot in the, they're like a half foot in the playoff door. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can get 12, 13 wins. They're going to be in and they have five already. So maybe less wins than that. Maybe you don't need that many. I would imagine you probably would. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you, 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 let's get let's get eight more wins in the remaining 29 games. That's very feasible. So these things matter. And that's a great point. And Denny Buanga is proving it. I would I would not underscore what Tiago Almada is doing because I am starting to feel. I mean, his absence, the heart grows fonder because he was with Argentina and he scored a goal. Uh, and I heard some people trying to go. Everyone's blowing Tiago Almada out of out of uh, proportion. But let me say, let me tell you this. He was the elite Argentine player before he left Vélez Sarsfield. Manchester United and Manchester City were among the clubs that wanted to sign him, and Atlanta needed to drop $16 million for an unproven number 10 to bring him here. That's mm-hmm. crazy money, but Atlanta knew they had to outbid Manchester United Man City, who probably didn't want to pay that money. So, he can't, he, so they knew he was a big talent, 
And that doesn't mean they 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 hit their expectations, but he has done it. And I think every time he plays, you got to watch him. He's eventually going to go to a club in Europe. It's going to be a big club, and he is going to be a big star. I mean, knock on wood, somewhere in Europe, uh, not Messi level, but maybe the guy who takes that tent shirt from him in a couple of years for Argentina, because it's not going to be Paulo Dybala. He's getting old. Who else is it going to be? Uh, is it Ezequiel Palacios or some of these other guys? Is it Alexis McAllister? I think Malmada has a chance to be the number 10 for Argentina, which is the heaviest shirt on the planet. Yeah. Does it? Okay. I didn't know it was going to be an Almada reach, but there we go. Yeah. Quick, quick follow up on Almada. What's the number he goes for? I, I actually tend to believe, I, I think he's still going to have a tough time breaking that um, Miguel Almiron number. It just, the markets it, don't 30, really 30 million. It, it's a, it's a, it's just shy of 30 million. I think um, I'm hearing people say 50, some people throwing out 90. I just, I don't know. What, it's not what, 90. what, what do you I think? think I think it's not 90. It's I think somewhere between, I would like to think 40, but it's probably closer to 30. I, I just, I have this sinking feeling and, and it's still a good bit of business. I have this sinking feeling he's not going to break 30. You may be. And those are players that there's, there's guys, it's a, it's a cluttered market. Um, yeah. It's uh, a, and, and let's get this straight. It's uh, by the way, he was a bigger at the time. He was a bigger prospect than Enzo Fernandez who went for like 4 million. Mm-hmm. They were at the same time. Who's now hundred million dollar player. And Julian Alvarez who went for about, 12 to city. I think they're both ahead of him, but those are two of the best at their position right now. That's my guy. That's your, that might be your future 10 of the uh, Argentine national team. They might be all playing together. That might be the next generation right there. Almada, Alvarez. And I, before people get, I don't want to, I'm not really bashing Almada, but I do want to, point this out yeah you were you're trying yeah a little bit your transfer fee though is not necessarily uh always a true assessment of how talented you are so when i say i don't think he's going to go over 30 i just think that's because the market's changed a lot and what teams are going to pay um but i do think he is a he i he max you're right he is a big talent although i do like julian julian alvarez better at at the end of the day i could stop whispering there's a lot of players you got to watch in mls whether it's danny buanga whether it's tiago almada whether it's joe klaus City. who Max Bredos interviewed this past weekend after scoring two goals and assist, two goals and assist or a goal and two assists. Do you want to tell you, I interviewed him at MLS media days. And when I, he came over to do the interview, he gave me a hug. That's straight out of the Chiellini book right there. Yeah. Smart. <laughs> it was very touching. I was like, wow, he remembered me. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Cause we were schleps. These media schleps. Good man. They're like, usually they roll their eyes. He gave me a hug. So yeah, I'm a big Joao Klaus fan now. Well, that was pretty good. I like the takeaways. I think we did. Okay, we did, I like it. We got, I thought we, we brought it. Yeah. Yeah. This well, is good. A little preparation. Let's see yeah, what we can do. For those of you that are listening and wondering, like, why are you guys patting yourselves on the back? Because we're trying to make these a little bit more than just Max and I talking, just saying things and then moving on. But I think we did pretty good there. Yeah. And we gave you a little primer on what Argentina's going to look like in 2026. Yeah. Where are you at on whispering on podcasts? Is that a weird thing? Yeah. Yeah, we're like, we're let's do it. Why don't we do a whole podcast with just whispering? We let's see what the reception is. If enough people want it, we will do an ASMR podcast. Let okay. me know if you want. Yeah. Is that what that's called? Say that again. ASMR. It's oh, that ASMR, right. With the weird, with the weird noises and the whispering. Okay. Okay. So now, now we let's spin it and look forward to LAFC's next opponent. Yeah. The Colorado about, Rapids. Let's talk about Colorado Rapids. What do you, what do you, Max, you call the game. Do I send it to a break or do we, do we keep yeah, going? Yeah, let's just, let's just roll. We did, we did one break. Let's just, let's just okay. roll. Ladies and gentlemen, now the preview for this weekend, LAFC against the Colorado Rapids. I got to see them play. They were at home against Minnesota. They're usually 
uh, unbeatable at home, but they lost 2-1. Remember in 2021, this was the champion of the West. They were upset by Portland in the playoffs, but they still got there, which feels like science fiction a year and a half later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they fell down to earth 2022. This is a team dealing with a lot of injuries. And uh, the game I did, Jack Price, who's one of my favorite players in the league, set piece maestro. He just came back from injury. He's out there for five minutes and he tears his Achilles. So he's back out. But uh, Jonathan Lewis, um, Diego Rubio, who was their top goal scorer. They're trying to get him going. They have a a young forward. They're getting minutes and Darren Yappy, who looks looks the part. Um, They had uh, they've had a lot of guys say. they brought uh, in a lot of pieces, so they have. They to, did bring they some pieces. Mesh. Now they have a, a glut in some areas, but they don't yeah. know. No one's really emerged from. Uh, yeah, how do you mesh? How do you mesh a team that not only do you bring in a lot of pieces, but then on top of it, you got a lot of injuries, so you can't get any consistency in training. Uh, you can't get any consistency in lineups. I watched Colorado play Seattle in that first game of the season. I was pleasantly surprised by the style of play that they yeah. were trying. However, they, look, this, they look good. They're just not getting results. Yeah, they're trying to do something that's going to be more pleasing on the eye. The problem is a lot of times when you do something that's more pleasing on the eye, if you don't have the players yet or the players aren't kind of ready for it yet, you're going to get carved up. And Seattle carved them up. Um, I think the game that you did against Minnesota was a little bit a little bit closer, a little bit, because just because Minnesota without Reynoso is a totally different team. They're going to play a little bit slower. Um, yeah, this Colorado team is under a lot of pressure because their start just not been good. Uh, they no wins, bottom of the table. Struggled uh, the, the Minnesota game, which was last week, so it was match day four. They that was they hadn't scored a goal yet, right? In the first three games, so that was finally a goal, and they scored a goal here. They got a point. Uh, so while it's not the goals are pouring, they at least got a couple, and they yeah, were they probably worried if they're going to get any for a while. They have two goals in five games, uh, negative six goal differential. So if you do the math there, they've given up eight goals, only scored two, but but. LAFC does not do well in Colorado, Max. Uh, they have lost no, a lot they of don't. And by there. the way, uh, since LAFC came into existence, uh, pretty close to this, it's not an exact stat, but it's close time-wise. Only LAFC and Philadelphia have been better at home than Colorado. So this is a tough place. And as I know what you're about to point out, you will see that for the LAFC, uh, it's been a house of horrors for them. Yeah, last two matches uh, uh, that Colorado's played at LAFC at home, they've lost. They lost... 2-0 uh, uh, in 2022, and then they lost 5-2 to two, that final game of 2021 when there was that inkling that LAFC could get sneak into the playoffs and Colorado really smacked them down and, to take the conference. And in 2019, remember we were at a watch party yep. in Long Beach and LAFC had been unbeaten in like eight, nine games, and then Danny Wilson scored a goal and they won one settle. That was the 2019 result. The After only time they, day. Long that was a, That's right. The only game they won was 2018 – uh, LAFC had two goals from Adama Diomande to beat Colorado at Dick Sporting Goods Park, uh, which I, I I went. I finally saw that place packed. It wasn't for a Rapids game. I went to see fish there. A friend of mine who loves fish. I'm not a fish fan, but I went there to say I'm going to watch went. them. I went. I enjoyed it. I'm not going again. It's one and done. And then in 2020, the game was canceled, and that's the history in the Colorado as Colorado hosting LAFC in uh, their young MLS history. Sorry, I'm so not thinking three not losses thinking, and a tie and a win. I, I'm now thinking about fish, and you and I have both been to Dick Sporting Goods Park on, on numerous occasions. Uh, if you have not been there, um, it's outside of Denver city limits, so it's actually very barren around there. There's not much Lots around there. Lots of prairie dogs. I'm just thinking of a couple of uh, fish fans maybe taking some substances, uh, <laughs> losing their ride, and then trying to walk around that wasteland in and around Dick Sporting Goods Park. Oh, that was like, happening all right. How do I, how do I get home? And I, I'm, I'm worried for them. They probably still lost. 
Yeah, I had a, an incident, someone who was overserved on something, and it wasn't alcohol. And he ran down to me and he like he was grabbing it like he was choking. And I'm like, Are you okay? Are you okay? He's like, Whoa. and then he's like, and then I thought he was, I was like, Do you need the Heimlich? And then he goes, he moves his hands down from his thing, goes, Isn't this an amazing show? I go, Oh, you're fine. Yeah. Yeah, please get away from me. You're frightening me. Uh, but if you did need assistance, I can get a nurse or I can find somebody, but just please step back mm-hmm. because I'm very scared right now. I'm and not- take whatever you took next time, cut that in half yeah. or a quarter. Despite what you may look like, you're not a doctor. <laughs> I look like a doctor. I either look like a doctor or an undercover policeman in there in the the masses because I wasn't really dancing. Everyone was dancing and I was like, yeah, well, you're, you're a narc. Yeah, I was. I felt very narky. All right. And I, that, like, that was our that was our pre that was our uh, usual banter as we go off on topic. This is as you guys can tell, we don't have a producer, so we can just go for as long as we want. But we, we should maybe get it back on the rails. OK, uh, but I, I will say this uh, that, to your point about the trip. Colorado desperately needs a result. Robin Frazier, their coach, is going to fire them up. They have been close the last few weeks. So LAFC, uh, if they are, if they, I think if they play the way they uh, they did against Dallas, they I, this is a game they'll probably lose. And it would make sense with quarterfinals, Vancouver Whitecaps on the horizon and CONCACAF Champions League. You had one game a week this week. You have one game a week next week, and then that it all changes. Mm-hmm. And you're right back into the frying pan. So uh, the... It's a little, it's a little cliche, but you know the, the the trap game certainly yeah. applies here. The, yeah, it's the game before the game. That's the 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 keys to this is LAFC has to look at it and understand it's not this one game, and I, I mean that in the sense like you can't focus on both, but you need to go there and take care of business early because you need fresher legs in the midweek if you're gonna really do some damage there in Vancouver. And as you said, you gotta you gotta manage that. Um, yeah. And I, I think LAFC um, has been good this year about starting quick. Um, it's a kind of a, a change from last season where all we were used to, where you and I would sit here doing this show and say, "Is uh, LAFC got slow starts? Is this a slow start?" But they were winning games, so it didn't. It was hard to argue uh, with the proof. Uh, but we needed, uh, we really need them to make a quick start. So I think that's probably the biggest key. And I think probably the thing that Steve Toronto is really hammering to them is like, let's get a quick start like we did against Dallas. And then maintain that momentum because we're going to need it going into the week. We're going to need those fresh legs. And uh, the Vancouver game, as you said, is the next Wednesday, April the 5th. And I can tell you this, and that's another place that LAFC has struggled to perform at. CONCACAF Champions League dreams can evaporate in that BC place closed roof. I can Mm. tell you that. So if you have, if you lay an egg there, it's they could get two, three goals. And look what they did in the first round to Unionist España. the hundred, I, th- I know I butchered the name. You no, I, think you, I think you got it. So LAFC have to be ready for that. And maybe part of that is um, sacrificing a couple things you want to do on that game. Although there's nothing to tell you. And I've talked to coach Steve Chirundolo about it. This he's, he said it's too early in the season to rotate, even though he has rotated and rotated effectively. Uh, that's a big spot back to back away dates that could, uh, could see this season go sideways very quickly. So this mm-hmm. is a big stretch. These are two important games that LAFC have to address. Yeah, you really have to be professional in this stretch. To like, I really like getting good habits out. Saturday for yeah. Uh, you, following Wednesday. And as you point out, two places that you're not used to uh, succeeding at. Um, the biggest prize, obviously, at the end of it, is is advancing to the semifinals of of CCL. 
But you have to look at that Vancouver game and say to yourself, this is ha- it's halftime at the end of this game. So you can't let it slip away. As you said, if if you really lose your head and it gets two, three uh, goals behind, you, you just can't let that happen. So you got to go in there and professional. If you lose one nil, not the end of the world, but you need to have that that mindset um, that you can't let the the score start to run a little wild just because you're on the stretch of two places you don't really want to be. Um, and that that's what's going to be important for Steve Torrentola's team. So there you go. There is your Colorado uh, preview. Um, it's Real España. So my apologies. Ah. Apologies after I was trying to win over the Honduran fans with the Daniel Maldonado tweet. Apologies. Honduran teams did very well in the CCL. They have uh, Motagua in the quarterfinals. Real España didn't do well. Olympia had Atlas on the ropes. Let them off the ropes. But there you go. Well, I'm going to win them right back, Max. And I'll say this. Balleda, fantastic. Yeah. So there Don't get go. me hungry, dude. Oh, I could go for one right now. What's what's your what's your go to on on a Baeta? I I I go just. I'm all right. I'm not. You know, not a fan. I go. No, I like them. Beans. I just don't get. I I rather. There's other stuff that I would put ahead of it. Yeah, but but beans, egg, and cheese, and and some hot sauce. Ooh. Hot sauce. Uh, look, I almost lost my Cuban card because I put hot sauce in all the Cuban food, and and uh, my mom uh, almost didn't want to talk to me. Uh, for a while so uh because I put sauce? Sauce, but i think cuban food which is very bland you know it's r- tomato base yeah. rice beans uh not a and, not a hot sauce consuming culture um no not at all interesting like coast like costa rica when i went Correct. to costa rica i asked for some hot sauce they were like why yeah i would put a baleadas uh below uh uh pupusas and certainly everything in the Mexican fare, like mm-hmm. uh, what's the equivalent of sope or a taco even, yeah. but maybe ahead of an arepa. Yeah, for sure. Arepa's too heavy for me. Yeah. And now and now our Salvadoran fans are out. They're back out. God. No, Salvadoran, I said pupusas were first. Pupusas right, so, number one. Oh, arepa. Sorry, arepa would be, would be uh, Venezuela. Uh, yeah. And then Colombia has. Uh, Colombia, yeah. So, so, so Chicho, the South Americans are upset, but the Central so, Americans yeah. are aligned. So Chicho, if you're listening, we're sorry. Sorry, Chicho. Sorry, Chicho. Colombian food, good. The the best. Here we go. The, the South American food. The best is Peruvian, just because of its. And I'm not a huge Peruvian food, but because of the variety and the seafood, it's a cut above. The rest are pretty similar. I'm gonna get myself in trouble here, but yeah, it's let's, not like let's end it's it not here. Mexican it's- food. Mexican food is top, in my estimation. Yeah. Uh, because the spices and the regional uh, part of it that just separates it from the rest of the world. Well, but this- let's just end it here. Max Max and I are eaters. And uh, if you have a national dish that you would like us to try because you're proud of your heritage, we will definitely eat it. We There's will partake in it. We will definitely try it. And we will we can rate it. So maybe that can be a new segment, rating uh, right. regional dishes from our fans. But before we get that, we're going to return here shortly, Vince, with our new segment. And that is... Our look at what's happening in the world of football. We'll give you something that has caught our attention and we'll see if you agree or disagree. We'll be right back inside LAFC MVP podcast. Back and back with a vengeance. Whoa. Okay. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Vince had a great idea. He said, we love watching the world football uh, landscape. We watch tons of it. And I mean, I'm just watching games nonstop. My wife is, we had a heart to heart and I go, I'm sorry. I got to, I mean, I, I the the day of I went skiing and then it was I got home at like nine and then I watched the USA Grenada game from top to bottom on my DVR. Um, we're recording this as the USA El Salvador game, so we're not going to delve into that. 
But there's a lot of interesting things with this Nations League break uh, that we could talk about. How about Mexico tying Jamaica, struggling with Suriname? Uh, Suriname's pretty good. They have Geraldo Becker who plays at Union Berlin. So Suriname could be a sleeping giant, but still. Um, the USA took care of Grenada, and I think it's a good sign for them. And we can talk more about it once this Nations League. And then there's that April game coming up against Mexico. And by the way, we, we should prepare, and that's not a FIFA date, for Kellen Acosta to be part, and possibly Aaron Long to be part of that call-up. So uh, that's going to be more for the MLS players. We know Kellen Acosta is going to be in there. We'll see if anyone else will join him there. But there is that. But there is something that I wanted to bring up, Vince, that is took um it was the number it was a number two trending topic on my personal Twitter, and that was Fular and Balogun. Do you want to know what the number one was? What was number one? Ticketmaster. Ah. Uh, People yeah, up well, in arms. That court date's coming up. I I can't believe that we if someone takes down Ticketmaster, we're all gonna have Taylor Swift to thank for that. And yes, I know. But, uh, by the way, I got tickets for the cure. Yeah. And um I got an, a memo from Ticketmaster saying we are informing you that you are getting $5 back courtesy of Robert, uh, Robert Smith. Wait, is that, why am I drawing a lot? And he goes, and he, so he refunded everyone who bought a ticket to a cure show, five bucks. Hey. Uh, I bought four tickets. So I got 20 bucks. I go, thank you, Robert Smith. Oh. That was, and I go, Ticketmaster, why don't we just match that? But it was, Ticketmaster was very nice to share that. I got no quarrel in there. I just tell you what was doing it, but I was very happy that Robert Smith, uh, was hey, and, the, and LAFC has a uh, Cure connection. Lowell, the uh, original drummer of The Cure, is a big LAFC fan and has been to quite a few games. And I know this personally because he has sat uh, in the uh, 110 football, amazing. Uh, uh section, um, which is very cool. Yeah, there's a look, LAFC among uh, rock and roll bands, especially got, uh, uh, some of the older ones, big, big time. We've got Tears for Fears represented. We've got Lincoln Park represented. It's we're pretty good. We're uh, pretty I cool believe club. Steve from Susie and the Banshees. Shavo, uh, uh, of course. Shavo, um, yep. Uh, from System of a Down. Uh, so they're all there. You just got to get uh, Tom Morello out there. Tom Morello, of course. Uh, be real. Be real. Yep. Okay, so we've gone on enough another tangent here. But Sorry, uh, yeah, let's get back let me... to Florian Balogun. Falarin Flo, Falarin uh, Balogun. Flo? You call him Flo? You guys are on those ah. kind of terms? We no, we, we got to come up with a nickname somewhere. Falarin's a little obtuse. Yeah, all due respect, that's a man's name, but you know, it's not like Maximiliano isn't easy to say. So I went Max, but see, I that's what I do. You're so, a man of the people. Uh, a man of the people. So this is a player who's got 17 goals for Ren in the French league. He's only behind Kylian Mbappe and Jonathan David. So he is third in the standings. And he's uh, got Nigerian family, so he could represent Nigeria. However, Victor Ossiman is not going to relinquish that. He is one of the top strikers on the planet. If not the so top as striker. If, as long as he's playing there, Ossiman, who's not a teenager, but he'll mm-hmm. probably have a good six years, seven years in his cycle still. He's going to play behind him. And there's other good Nigerian strikers. Then you have England, which he could play for. And then there was, uh, we were talking about this, and Gareth Southgate said, look, we haven't seen him enough. Uh, he has to go through the pecking order. I would like to see him in the Premier League. It was it was it was very open from Gareth Southgate. And I trust Gareth Southgate because England have been phenomenal under his watch. I mean, they made the Euro final, they made a World Cup semi. They were Harry if Harry Kane hits that penalty, they would have beaten France. And who knows where that story ends? I bet you they make the World Cup final because I think they would have been a favorite over Morocco. So he has done extremely well. So his eye for talent and coaching and developing. Uh, if you want to question that, and I know a lot of our U.S. fans are, are sitting there questioning 
Gareth Southgate because he hasn't prioritized Balogun. You're making a mistake. And it also gives me a little bit of pause as to getting really excited about Balogun. We have a striker problem. So he arrives and we, have, we there's more and more uh, signs that he is going to pledge his allegiance to the United States. When he arrives, if he arrives, he will be the number one, number nine. Uh, and that's because no one else has really stepped up. But it'll light a fire on those guys, Ricardo Pepe and Daryl DK and Josh Sargent. If they want to get that spot, they're going to have to work really hard. And no one's going to just give it to Balogun. But eventually, I think that's what the direction we are going. Now, there's a lot of guys in England that Southgate didn't want to put him ahead of. Tammy Abraham and Ivan Tony, who are a little bit older, which is a bit of a head scratcher. I go, don't you want to bring a young player that could do that? He doesn't. So... Uh, this is great news for the U.S. if he does it. If he does, Anthony Hudson, who also under his watch, his brief watch, got Alejandro Zendejas to commit to the U.S. I mean, what do you do to this guy? This well, I don't know. He's not the greatest coach, former Colorado Rapids coach, to bring it all full circle. But if he's getting these dual nationals like this, you got to make him whole somehow. This is really remarkable. So that is the missing piece for the U.S. If they have a reliable striker uh, who could, you know, in a World Cup, let's say average – a goal every two games, finish a World Cup with two, three goals, maybe more. You're in business in 2026, and he's a young player. Um, I think 18, I still think, uh, or I have to find no, out. No, he's he's 20, 20, right? He's 20. 20 now, yeah. Sorry. So I, he, but we've known about him since he's been like 17, 18. Because yes, of the he's, 21. he's 21. He's 21. So he's, okay. he's getting there. I mean, he has to make a decision soon, and I think yeah. he will. And it's leaning towards the U.S., and that's reason to be excited. But remember – it's still hard work. He's going to have to win it. He's going to have to score goals. If he scores goals, who knows how far we can go in 2026. Yeah, just because you put that pecking order list of the teams he could play for, and we're talking about guys like Oseman and Harry Kane and Marcus Rashford, just because you, you would love any of those guys on the national team doesn't mean that Balogun just gets to waltz in there and go, well, guys, I would have played for those teams, but those guys are there, so I, I'm better than you guys. Yeah. <laughs> you can't You're just trying, that. that has to be in play here. I think one of the... The the side effects here, or not a side effect, one of the things that it could unearth is a light a fire under one of these other strikers that wants to be the number nine and say, I want that job. I think that's a competition could really, his presence could lift somebody. Yeah. Sadly, my topic is on a on an Italian team that's lacking a bit of competition and really could use an injection. And they have, they've uh, looked to Argentina for players as a recent with uh, Italian descent. Um, but I just, Italy as you know, they disappointed by not making the World Cup. Then they win the Euros, but then immediately disappoint by not making the next World Cup. And I look at this team and I'm thinking, well, you know, the World Cup in that era, in that time, it was it was tough. It was a it's kind of a difficult group. It's a quick turnaround after the Euros. Okay, but I just I, I'm losing a little bit of hope with this team because oh, there's no. not well, there's just not. Max, I'm I'm missing because I'm looking at the guys that were the gonna be the next thing, and I'm, and then the crop ahead of them. Like, where is the where's the Tati? Where is the Del Piero? Where is the Christian Vieri in the, these groups that are coming through? And I just don't see it. You know, Federico Chiesa could be, but we're still you know he's still on kind of a minutes restriction after some major injuries. Nico Zaniolo, who I was actually more excited about than anyone because he was just not your typical uh, Italian player. He was actually kind of more in the ilk of an Argentine player, more in the ilk of a Diego Maradona because he could dribble guys and he was dynamic and he could take the ball and he could go 50 yards, beat a couple players and score goals. He had injury problems and now he's playing in Turkey. Um, 
I just I don't know when the next great Amer- uh, or American Italian attacking talent is going to be. Skamaka, West Ham. Why did Sorry you go there? Sorry about that one. Yeah, we yeah. destroyed him. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Hammers. Uh, you know, you got he might get relegated with them. Yeah, and you got good players like Raspadori, who's very good, but he can't get on the field because the Naples team is so good with Carvascalia and uh, Osiman. I just, I there's no for sure thing in this Italy group anymore, and it's just sad when you when you think of when you look back in time, and you can even put like Cassano in there. You had Cassanos, you had Baggios, you had Del Piero's, Totti's, just uh, just a list of world class talent, and that's why Italy could play in such a way where they could get eight, nine guys behind the ball because then Totti would do something magical. They can't play that way anymore. But And yes, they're more fun to watch because they can't play that way anymore. But who's going to win the games? 2-0 against Malta. Come on. Like, yeah. I got two uh, words for you. Yeah. Mario Balotelli. <laughs> He's been chirping again. Yeah. I mean, uh, but it's... It, uh, it's a problem. And I mean, I saw the England game and they were like, ooh, not great. I mean, it the England cut the lead early and could, took control of there. And I don't think you can put Italy in England's league right now, uh, which is weird. It happened really quickly. So maybe we'll get Giorgio's thoughts on it. Maybe that's a good thing. I Hopefully Giorgio can steer me in the right direction to some young talent. And if anyone would know, it is Giorgio because he does his homework. And yeah. I guarantee you, he probably has a list of guys. He's like, Vince, look at these guys. I know these guys. He's, just as he has a list of up-and-coming MLS strikers. That's how deep Giorgio's knowledge goes. Right on, right on. By the way, in the game, you see that point when uh, Vela missed the penalty or hit the, off the crossbar and... Giorgio came over and kissed him on the head. That was a class. Giorgio, watch Giorgio win the kiss. Watch. <laughs> here's something for LAC fans. Watch Giorgio when the ball's out of play and just the amount of interactions he has with the opposing team. Um, all of them are just glorious because he's a wonderful, lovely man. But sometimes I think there's a I don't want to say a nefarious, but I think there's a, a slight edge to it because sometimes you know a oh, striker, yeah. striker will get a little uh, you know uppity and maybe come close on a chance and get a little. Uh, get a little fire in him, and Giorgio will just go, "Hey, man, give him a hug," and they're probably like, "Giorgio Chiellini just gave me a hug. He knows my name." And I think he just gets them to just simmer well, down a that, little bit. Didn't that happen in the penalties against Spain in the Euros? Oh, where he yeah. was all friendly, and then Spain, oh. like, what's he? Why is he so friendly? Jordi Alba, he drew Jordi, Jordi, Jordi Alba. Alba was like, nice. "Get lost! Don't yeah. talk to me!" And then He's it like, worked. <laughs> I'm so pumped up right now, and he just like competition. Isn't adrenaline. this great? Ah, I love it, Jordi. Isn't this incredible? We're here, yeah. and George is gonna. Go. We're here at the semifinals of the Euros. What a great time to be alive. It's like, I'm yeah. trying to He's concentrate like, here. Spain, Italy, the lights, the people. Classic. The whole world is watching. Yeah. <laughs> well, good luck to your Italian side, Vince. But uh, it, it. They, it's looking bleak. And remember, when World Cup expansion came around, uh, it, it benefited Africa. It's going to benefit Asia. It's going to benefit CONCACAF. It benefits Europe very yeah. I think South America gets an extra team and Europe gets like two or three extra ones, which doesn't automatically mean it's Italy. It's it's easy in European qualifying. It's still going to be difficult. Yeah, they got to make it into the Euros, and I think they will, but I'm worried. Yeah. I, can't, I don't want Sorry, man. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Pick another team. Pick another team. They can't just do that. <laughs> Norway, there you go. They'll be there. I don't know about that. Either. Well, uh, didn't they didn't they get trounced by someone? No, uh, they did. I got to check. Spain. Man. Didn't, out... Spain, didn't Spain put yeah, them Don't mess with it? the Spanish. Yeah, Spain's going to be very good for a long time. Pedri, Gavi, good team. This has been fantastic. Uh, we're a little rusty, I know, but we're going to get back in the rhythm and we're going to be there at the PC in glorious eastern Los Angeles. And we're back and get this off the ground. Thank you for your patience and thank you for your support. Uh, we are so thrilled. We can't tell you how much we miss this outlet and spending time with Vince. Um, I miss that very much as well. 
And we'll be back again next week, recapping and getting ready for quarterfinals of the Champions League. Yeah, we got a big good thing we did it this week, Max. We, we brushed off the rust this week. Next week, we'll come back better, bigger, better. Uh, and yes, I, I agree. Uh, it's very good to talk to you, Max. This is going to make my whole week a lot. Uh, I, enjoy, I enjoy doing this. This this sets the table for the week, and I hope for you out there listening, it does the same for you. Inside LAFC MVP podcast, Max and Vince. Subscribe, tell a friend, spread the word as we will be there along for the ride as we were in years past. We will see you next week.